0: Uh, if this is your first time to AFC, we believe that Aggies for Christ is a countercultural group. By that, I mean uh, we have a group of people that have been told what to accept over here on this campus, and we reject it, and we want to replace it with something better. We believe that when you follow the, the, the one who created the universe, this, this world of ours makes a heck of a lot more sense. Amen. A little bit about my heart and the heart of the staff uh, here tonight is we just wanna see lives changed. We're not really interested in bulletins. We're not really interested in cool t-shirts and in, and in speakers and lights and all this stuff. It's really not about that. It's about seeing lives changed. And so uh, when, I was in, when I was in college, um, God gripped my heart. And since then he hasn't let go. And now I have this awesome job, job, to come in here every week and tell Aggies uh, about the grace and the gift that I received. And how to have a a life that offers purpose. So with this countercultural mindset that we're talking about, I want to head into this week's sermon. Last week we kicked off a sermon series called Great Expectations. And we talked about the idea of identifying our teos. Teos is a Greek word that means our goal or our meaning in life. And the challenge that was given was pretty much this. Um, If you're going to pick a good godly teos, if you're going to pick a good godly goal for your life, don't make yourself a liar and do things that don't get you there. Case in point, if you say one day I want to be a good, godly husband, I want to be faithful to one woman, I want to I devote myself to her, I want to be uh, honest and open with her, then probably the best thing for you to do would not be to have, a, to have dating relationships where you date multiple women at one time, uh, where you talk to, talk to every single girl that you can uh, get a number for. You might, uh, having a Tinder might be something that you don't have. If, like, if this is really the goal that you want, to be a godly husband one day, it's not, uh, it's not the best idea to practice dating habits that don't add up to that goal, okay? Um, another example, if you want something good in your life, you sacrifice early before you get it, okay? Um, our athletes in the room are a great example. They, they kick off Saturday for the first time um, in the swamp in Florida, and we're all pulling for you guys, um, but you've been practicing since, when did spring practice start? Spring, thank you for that answer. <laughs> March. March. Okay, so they have a game Saturday that they've been practicing for since March. The good things that we want in our life, the good things that are worth pursuing, they take sacrifice in the future before you get to that point. So, now that we're on the same page, the same page being our goal is that cross. Our goal is that cross. If that's not your goal yet, I hope one day soon it will be. When you realize what Jesus did for you on that cross, a gift that you can never repay, when you truly, truly realize that, the magnitude of this, The primary goal for your life has got to be the pursuit of this. So tonight's sermon title tonight is Squad Goals. The goal being the pursuit of this cross. The goal being knowing God better. The squad being anybody that will help you get, anybody that's going to get you there. Uh, I just believe there's got to be a little more thought, a little more prayer. Um, that goes into realizing the people in your life and asking yourself if they have the same goals. Do they have the same squad goals as you? Do they have the same aim, the same pursuit, the same teos as you? Because we have great expectations for the people in our lives as well. So with that being said, um, I'm going to pray for the sermon tonight. If you'll pray for me, that'd be great. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for a group of people that uh, every week walk across walk across that street, come into this building and reject uh, the ways of the world. And in, a, in a world that tells us that, uh, that now's the time to, to find ourselves and to let loose, I pray, God, that tonight we find you and that we find uh, that we found a foundation in you because you are the great comforter, the great healer, the great restorer, and we're thankful for uh, what you're doing in our lives. But most of all, we're thankful for your son who died you on the cross. And Everybody said, amen. There's a belief that mature Christians commonly share, and that is that the life of Jesus makes the most sense even for us today. Whole uh, The whole WWJD thing, right? Um, except it goes a little bit deeper than like when you're driving on the highway and somebody cuts you off and like, oh, you little piece of, and then you see your WWJD and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. It, it goes a little bit deeper than that. The call of being a Christian goes as far as to say, I want to be Christ-like in the way I work. I want to be Christ-like in the way I raise my future family. And in tonight's case, I want to be Christ-like in the people I surround myself with, and the people I surround myself with. So tonight, what are we going to look at? We're going to look at the squad of all squads. We're going to look at the original dream team, DWA that is with attitude. We are going to look. <laughs> we are going to look at Jesus and his group of friends and his disciples and the way they did things. Because they were a group of people brought together from different backgrounds, um, most of them, to do life together and to pursue this Christian mission, to pursue that cross. Now, now here's the thing I don't want to do tonight. I don't want to come off like the guy that's telling you to go home and start cleaning up your Facebook friends, all right? I don't want you to go delete people who aren't walking the way you're walking. I don't want you to um, send out texts that say we're done because I'm turning my life around. Um, I don't want you to stop shopping at all stores that aren't Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby because they play Christian music over their speakers. That's not, it's not what I'm asking you to do. Uh, Jesus, if we're going to make a case for hanging out with non-believers, Jesus hung out with uh, a, a, a woman who had multiple, five husbands. Um, Zacchaeus, who was a crooked tax collector, um, the woman who anointed him um, before his death, she was a prostitute. Now, uh, uh, this guy had no regard for the people he was seen with. So there's the case that's being built for hang, hanging out with a non-Christian. Uh, and, and I'm just putting it out there so you know that's not what this sermon is about. It's not about editing your friend list. But let me make a po- point here in saying uh, you're not Jesus. Uh, Jesus was uninfluenced by every single example I just mentioned. He was uninfluenced by the prostitutes. He was uninfluenced um, by, the, by the crooked people who pursued money. He was uninfluenced by them. So I can't, in my position, tell you that's a good idea for you to go hang out with all the prostitutes and the Chippendale models or whoever it is that you can find. I can't, in my position, tell you that because uh, we are human and we are weak. But what Jesus did is he entered the lives of these non-believers. He entered the lives of these individuals and changed them. And similar, similarly, we're called into relationship with non-believers as well in that same way. But what I'm asking tonight is for you to evaluate. Evaluate these friendships, these relationships in your life. Because in every relationship, in every friendship, there's an influencer and there's somebody getting influenced. That's all I'm asking you to do is to to analyze it. Analyze the next person you hang out with and say, is my language changing? Are my desires changing based on who I'm hanging out with? If so, you're being influenced by that person. Maybe you brought somebody tonight with you here. Maybe you're going to pick the, uh, the good activity to do after AFC tonight, which is Tiet Taylor's, by the way. Maybe, maybe you're the one that's going to pick that. Then you're the influencer. Uh, all we're asking to do is to do a little bit of evaluation. <coughs> Excuse me. Next slide. Right here is a picture of the 2009 Alamogordo Tiger basketball team. This is after a tournament that, uh, that our team won. And uh, this group of guys were hands down the closest people in my life my senior year. Uh, when we would do huddles, we wouldn't break out and say defense or, or, uh, or tigers or anything. We would, do, um, we would say one, two, three, family, four, five, six, together. We called each other brothers. N- now, the thing about this team, though, if you'll look, there's whites, there's blacks, there's Mexicans. My best friend right there was half Japanese. I mean, we had it all. We had National Honor Society members standing next to, to Bloods but we were brothers. We were brothers because we shared something in common. Now we weren't the best team in the state going in, we weren't ranked number one, but we were good enough, we were just good enough, so every single year when we came in, uh, winning state was at least a possibility. It was at least a goal, right? We would, we would play ball for hours outside in the summer, sit around talking afterwards, and we would talk like, man, how cool would it be to win a state title this year? So bring it back to little old Alamogordo. These bonds that I had with these brothers, and when we talk to each other over text, uh, we do say brothers. Um, it's a bond because we were on mission together, the mission to be win games and eventually, hopefully, a state championship. Um, but the mission was the same. Now I told you the walks of life were different, the skin colors were different, um, but those were my brothers, and they cared about the mission as much as I did. When you look at the disciples, when you look at Jesus' disciples, um, there's a similar feeling as to how this group um, got along. You, you had Jesus, who was a carpenter. You had a handful of fishermen. And then you throw in Matthew, a tax collector, and a bunch of other guys that we don't even know what the heck they did. And you to find a, a, a pretty ragtag uh, bunch of people. But they turned the world upside down. They were literally described by their accusers, by when some of them were getting arrested, as a group of men that turned the world upside upside down. I mean, it'd just be that would be an honor for our group, for, uh, for our circles to be told um, that that Bible study that's happening at Lambda Chi is turning um, Greek life upside down. That Bible study that Clayton and Jamin are leading on the football team is turning the athletics, um, all the teams, upside down. Aggies for Christ, that, that campus group that meets across the street, they're turning the campus upside down. It would be a huge honor. It would be a huge honor. And they were accomplishing great things because they were, they were sharing the same mission. And that mission is what we find in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's on the next slide. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you have a squad? Do you have a squad already? If you do, is this what drives you? Is this what drives you? Sermon point number one on the handy-dandy sermon point list. The squad that's on mission together stays together. The squad that's on mission together stays together. (coughs) Probably one of the concerns that you have when you're evaluating the relationships that you have uh, uh, is when you're you're thinking about trying to join a group that's on mission together, is you're thinking, like, you know what, like, all right, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I want to be on this mission, but I don't have anybody in the church that I have anything in common with. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get along with the church guys. And I hate that term, but I get it. But I get it. Um, example: When I came to AFC, um, for all intents and purposes, I was the uh, the jock, the semi-athletic sports guy, um, the too cool for school. I had to, I had to make sure I was dressed kind of nice for the pretty Christian girls. Um, that was me. But enter the scene, um, a guy that some of you will recognize, one of my dear friends, and the camp, the former campus minister here. Uh, Craig Mayberry. Does you guys recognize Craig? Some of you that were here um, at the beginning of last year. This is Craig. Actually, when I came to AFC, he looked a little more like this, like that. That's the that's the Craig that I met. the, the cool The cool guy that came to a- the cool guy. I'm giving myself a title. The cool guy that came to AFC, and and that's who I ran into right there. Um, if Craig is day, I'm night. If Craig is left, I'm right. And that was a good rhyme. And if I'm stop, he's go. I mean, I'm just trying to make a point that we're opposite. I actually uh, sent uh, Craig a couple texts this week to prove um, my point on how opposite we actually are. So can you go to the next slide? This is my church friend, Craig. Um, Craig, favorite movie. If you know Craig, this is just an obvious answer. Star Wars originals, though. I don't know what that means. I have high hopes for Episode 7. Now, probably most of you in the room are going to be mad at me for this, but I've never watched Star Wars. So I don't know anything about this. Episode seven must be good. Um, my favorite movies: Friday Night Lights and Hitch. I can't pick between the two, so obviously not Star Wars. So we're opposite. Next <coughs> favorite pastime: This was a good one. Um, well, I enjoy. Well, I am pretty good at Halo. Okay, I know Halo is a video game. Definitely not a gamer. I also enjoy RPGs. Now it confused me because I thought RPGs were um, these like guns in uh, in modern warfare, right? They're like they're they're grenade launchers. Um, so I was talking. I was talking about. It, I was like, "Dude, like, I thought that was from different games," and he says, "No, RPGs is role playing games. It's like where you pretend to be somebody else." So, um, so I, d- I had no idea. And it, 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 I playing guitar, reading philosophy books, and just generally reading. If it's not Netflix or I, I don't know, it's definitely not mine. And it's definitely not RPGs for me. So, opposite. Next one. What's your favorite TV show? He says depends on the genre. Um, this is one we can agree on, me and him. Parks and Rec, it's the best show. If you're if you really saved, if you're really going to heaven, you are gonna watch Parks and Rec. Um, now now he says he says now for spy shows he likes this, for heist shows he likes that, and for suave he likes White Collar. I, I wouldn't even these aren't even genres that I would pick. So um, if it's not Sports Center, it's not me. And the last one, my church friend Craig. Ah, you can't see it. I thought this was from problem. I'll read it. Favorite NBA team, because I'm a basketball junkie. He says, uh, I used to play uh, as the Charlotte Hornets on my Sega Game Gear with NBA 90, Jam 98. Are they still a team, question uh, mark? It would have been so much funnier two years ago when that really wasn't a team, but they are a team again. So it's still pretty funny that he picks his favorite basketball team based on NBA Jam 98. Um, but the answer wasn't Lakers, and therefore we're opposite, because that's my team. Case in point, me and the guy were opposite, according to the world. Um, But can you go to the next slide? Uh, This is me and Craig preaching um, on his last night as a campus minister. Um, He's one of my friends. Uh, I would take a for this guy. I mean, the way he loves his family, the way he loves the gospel, it's it's unparalleled. And some of the deepest conversations, the most meaningful conversations that I've had in my life um, come from when Craig was sitting across the room from me. So if you're worried about getting along with the church crew, I'm like, I get it, but I can't accept it, okay? I get it, but I can't accept it. When, when the cross becomes the most important thing in your life, all that stuff, not getting along, like, it becomes so not important. Like I'd sit there and hang out with Craig while he did RPG, and it'd be fine. And it'd be fine because we're on mission together. Um, our love for God, our passion for the gospel, our desire to share it with others. That was the mission, and that's how we got along. Uh, Lauren and Mason, are you guys still here? Can you guys stand up? (coughs) Um, Lauren and Mason are leading a small group this semester. Um, They're nothing alike, nothing alike. But this small group is going to be, this small group that they're leading on Thursday nights is going to be awesome. Because I know these two, their hearts. I know their hearts for the gospel. I know their hearts for for the men that are in this room. If you're looking for a small group, I recommend theirs. Um, They are nothing alike. But it's just another beautiful example of the gospel and how it ties people together. Appreciate you. There's your your sermon shout out. Sermon point number two. The squad that prays together stays together. So the verse I just showed you, the, the mission that we had, the great commission from Matthew 28, that's like the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, okay? And so he ascends into heaven after giving this mission, and the disciples are like, man, like, now what? You know? Now what? Well, we're going to go to the now what? Acts 1, verses 12 through 14, and they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, and Simon, and then Judas. Uh, The disciples were together, okay. Um, All of these with one accord, and they were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. (coughs) When your group is going through conflict, is the first thing your group thinks to do is pray about it. The disciples were confused on how they were going to continue without Jesus. They had just been given a mission, but they weren't exactly sure what they were going to do. They had, some, they had to replace one of the disciples that sold out Jesus, right? So they had some issues, and what do they do? They devote themselves to prayer. Now, I've seen it in ASC, in this room, this summer already. I've seen what prayer can do to restore relationships, what prayer can do uh, to a group of friends that are struggling with something. The squad that prays together stays together. And lastly, when evaluating the group of people that you let get close to you, uh, remember uh, squad goal number three, the squad that sacrifices for each other stays together. You want to know what type of friend Jesus was? You want to know the WWJD for being a bestie? John 15, 12 through 13 is this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that's lay down his life for his friends. If someone loves you, if you think they're someone that you really want to walk this path with, this path to the cross, you've got to ask yourself, um, do they sacrificially love me? And this is a sermon about being a good friend as well, so you have to ask yourself, do I sacrificially love them? Most of us in the room are never going to be asked to lay down our life for our friends. But what about sacrifices outside of that? What about sacrifices with your time? Sacrifices through serving them? Um, I mean, Jesus literally washed the feet of his disciples um, to show his love and his service for them. We're called to love and to serve our friends and and the ultimate form of love is exposing them to this cross. (coughs) I want to I want to close with this. Um, it's a little different than what I have. But um, this morning, I was, in a, I was in a suit and tie um, officiating my first funeral. The, uh, the cool thing about funerals, not cool. The, uh, the special thing about funerals is that for a moment in time, that gap between the next world and this, it gets so small. It gets so small, that gap. People who had never thought about the next life, people who have never thought about um, what's gonna happen to them when they die, they're immediately faced with this idea of, where's my friend? Where's my brother? When the gap is big, when you feel indestructible, when life is easy, when things are going well, we don't really think about it. The friends, the people we surround ourselves with, I mean, those are just my drinking friends. Those are just the friends I like to chill with because they let me be me. You know, uh, at a funeral, those friends don't matter as much. A group of people who didn't care about where you go in eternity, doesn't matter as much. It's not as cool. It's not as cool. You know what's cool? A friend like Craig Mayberry, who in the midst of our crazy day-to-day lives will send me a text and say, how are you in Jesus today? Because I care about where you're going to spend eternity. Because I care about your relationship with him now. That's what's cool. Like I said, I don't care if you go home and and, and change your friend group and, and, and delete people from Facebook and whatnot. That's not what I'm asking, but if you believe in the realities of heaven and hell and if you're trying to run this path to this cross as best as you can, why would you surround yourself with people who s- who don't sincerely care about the race that you're running if you're uh if you're sitting there tonight because uh, and you're worried because you feel like you don't have anybody that's going to join this race with you right away. Um, myself and the interns are going to be in the back of the room doing these next two songs. Um, you want to start this race with somebody? We'd love to be those people. I actually know about half the people in this room right now, and I know that, um, I know that any one of them would like to pray with you right now if, uh, if this is a race you want to start running. But it matters, and it matters. It matters who, you, like, get close to you. Will you pray with me tonight? dear Holy Father, sometimes when we, uh, when we evaluate relationships and the people you've brought into our life, um, we have to answer some tough questions. God, we know you want it to be a light in the darkness, and we're thankful for that truth. Uh, uh, but God, I pray that you will um, give us discernment and give us wisdom when it comes to the, the inner circle that we have. We know that you, your son, had the disciples and he had an even closer um, group of three that he would confide in and that he loved. God, I pray that we have similar relationships in our life. I pray that this group of individuals in the room tonight be a group of influencers and not those who get influence. God, I pray that the cross is the most influential thing in their lives so that they can be that light in that place. Lord, again, most of all, we're thankful for your son and for the sacrifice he made on the cross. In his name I pray. Amen.